Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Can you imagine that it's episode 71 already? Well, persisters and brothers, it is. And this week, we get to talk to author Mary Held. And the conversation is an important one because so very often in life, we talk about problems, we talk about trauma, we talk about things of the past and how they've injured us. But it's really a great thing to celebrate different ways of healing. And Mary does a fabulous job with that. As someone myself who's gone through a lot, I went to the very kind of intervention that that uh, Mary speaks of. It's very hopeful because so often people tell themselves, well, I don't have enough money to get healing. I can't afford a therapist or I don't want to go to a talk therapist. What else is there in life that could help me feel better? And Mary really unlocks the key, unlocks the door really to some great info on an intervention that has amazing, amazing results for people who've experienced high trauma. So, so worth a listen. By the way, tomorrow is May 20th, 2022, at least when this first gets published. And Stolen by Their Father, the movie based on Pieces of Me, Rescuing My Kidnapped Daughters, will play again on Lifetime Television. If you're in the States and you have cable TV, it's available. And I'm excited, especially because it's like a second chance for me in a way. I was away when my when the movie came out and my book had run out in paperback. So Pieces of Me Rescuing My Kidnapped Daughters was no longer available on in paperback. And for an author, it's a once-in-a-lifetime deal, it feels like. To be able to have their book made into a movie is amazing, but to have no books available to augment the efforts, a devastating, devastating uh, reality. So I'm really grateful. The book is available again in print on, you know, in audiobook format and digital, and the movie will be coming out May 19th. I hope you enjoy it. If you get a chance, let me know. Thanks always for listening, and you are in for such a treat with Mary Held. As ever, if you can give the podcast a review or share it with a friend, that would be so helpful. Next week, I plan on having author Frank Zafira with us, who talks about his own journey of ups and downs and some really interesting things about being, well, his career first was in policing, but also how he managed to become a book publisher, not just an author. All right, let's get started. This is such a treat to have author Mary Held with me today. I'm really looking forward to what Mary has to share. Mary had some serious physical ailments that she'll talk a little bit more about, but how they were successfully treated is not something that one would naturally think about. 
And so Mary's story of persistence is very interesting and very relevant to all of us. And thank you so much for being with me today, Mary. I'm excited to hear your story. Well, thank you so much for having me. It is definitely my pleasure. Mary, can you tell us about the the things you were suffering from and what finally happened that made a real difference after many years of trying other interventions? Well, what happened was my body started into seizures. First, it was just one arm, but it was like very wild, very flying about kind of thing. Okay. Eventually, it moved to both my arms, then my legs, then my shoulders, then my head. My trunk always stayed the same. Interesting. So I went to to doctors. I went to neurologists. I went to psychiatrists. I went to all these people and they couldn't help me. You know, they were frustrating. Oh, they would give me a diagnosis and we would work on it and we'd do some stuff. And it was like five years that I tried that. And then I met a psychiatrist who said, well, let's stop taking all these pills and all this other stuff and just see if we can figure out how to give you some time when you'll be seizure free. Interesting. Because at that point, I wasn't doing anything. Okay. And I wasn't going out. I wasn't able to to do anything consistently. Right. Couldn't and work, probably. Couldn't drive. Couldn't work. Couldn't drive. You know, couldn't go to church. Couldn't go to meetings. Couldn't right. meet with friends. Couldn't, couldn't do much of anything. And we got to the point where I had like, Working with him and trying, when will you eat? When will you sleep? That kind of thing. We got to the point where I had like, I could work nine hours a week. (laughs) And I had like three or four hours outside of that that I could go and do something with. And I thought I was good. And I slid like that for another six years doing that. And then that time started to decline. And I said, there's got to be something else. And I had just gotten to that point when a friend of mine said he thought it might have something to do with trauma and that it would help be helpful if I tried EMDR. Wow. So EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a therapy. And I did that and... Four months later, I'm like almost seizure-free and just full of joy. It was just amazing. Wow, that is fantastic. Now, it seems so hocus-pocus. It really does. I've gotten EMDR myself, my daughters, at least one one for sure has worked extensively with EMDR as an intervention because it's so successful in treating post-traumatic stress. And yet when I went into the therapist office the first time and we did it, I could not tell you why it worked. And yet it pretty immediately started to work. So what's been your experience? Like how long, how many sessions before you really said, wait a minute, this strange thing is starting to work. It's not talk therapy necessarily. I was really ready for it. And I already really trusted the therapist. And my first session it started working right away. Wow. That trauma got processed that first session. Now I didn't 
necessarily believe that it was going to work on any other traumas. Right. But that one trauma, it was like all of a sudden I noticed things I hadn't noticed before. Um, the ending was different than I thought it was. It wasn't my fault anymore. I could look at it in a different way. And I was no longer terrified by it. Oh, that's fantastic. It was it was the strangest thing. I mean, I, I kept this journal as I was going through. And in my journal, I can I say things like, I would wake up in the morning and say, is it still gone? <laughs> Am right. I scared yet? Is this happening? And it, and it would still be happening. And then uh-huh. all of a sudden, your mind takes you different places. If I hadn't kept the journal, I wouldn't have noticed anything that was happening as it went along. And it seems like every time I read through it, I notice new things about it. Okay. You know, but I wouldn't have noticed how things actually moved. It's like between the end of one sentence and the beginning of the next, I'm like talking about how I don't feel like that anymore. I'm not afraid of it anymore. And then all of a sudden, I'm talking about being a child. Interesting. And, and, and that set us up for the next session. That was the thread that, was, that we pulled into the next session. And things... If, if nothing else, I come away with a, a total belief that the mind knows how to heal. Wow. The mind totally knows how to heal. We just need to get out of the way of it and follow it and, and use that because it would give little, it's like there was one major trauma at the center of everything. And as I read through the rest of the journal, you can see it kind of swoops in close to it and then it goes out again. And then we'll have a little swoop in closer until finally it can, I get enough information and enough bravery and have processed enough traumas and have figured out what the main one is and we go for it. Wow. But That's fantastic. Now, was your therapist the one telling you to journal or do you already, were you already a journaler? The therapist told me to journal. She said she wanted me to journal after every session and every day, whenever I noticed anything new. And it seemed like I noticed new stuff, you know, once or twice a day. It's like, whoa, where did that come from? Whoa, all of a sudden I'm taller. Oh, that's strange. I'm lighter. I wonder where that is, you know, things like that. Wow. I'm not afraid. I'm thinking about this thing now that I haven't thought about in years and, and just tracing the things as they happen. And it just, it's an amazing process. That's so exciting because I feel like there are plenty of people who've gone through things that they tell themselves, I'm just not going to think about it. You know, I'm just going to push it away, these intrusive thoughts, and I'm not going to think about it, but that's not really how trauma works. It'll stick with us. It'll calcify almost in the body and really wreak havoc on our health and uh, mental health too. My traumas were from like 25 years, 30 years, 35 years before. And they stayed in my body and they stayed 
like as we got closer, I could see them. They were like sitting in the right side of my head and took up the whole space. Wow. And it was, you know, a cement thing that they were in and they were in a locked box and there were the door and all these things in front of it. And, you know, it just felt like that. And when I finally finished the last trauma, it was like I went into the right side of my head and there was nothing there but room. So That's I just so exciting. Oh, I just danced. Danced in that little room. <laughs> you know? That is wonderful. That really is. That's really encouraging because if if a person is afraid that the only kind of interventions that would work would be talking about every single thing that happened oh. in their life from childhood on, it's too daunting, too expensive, and just not practical. And yet to find the right EMDR therapist, if it, if it's post-traumatic stress or lots of trauma, it doesn't have to be the exact diagnosis, but it's amazing what that can do. It is. It's totally amazing. The thing that I discovered was as I got to the end, um, I got hooked up with some new neurologists in Detroit and he said, oh, what you have are called PNES psychogenic non-epileptic seizures and that one of the main reasons for those is trauma. Wow. The other thing I found out is that up to maybe 10% of people who are diagnosed with epilepsy, I had that diagnosis for a while, up to 10% of the people who are diagnosed with epilepsy don't really have epilepsy. They have these PNESs this non-epileptic wow. seizure activity okay. that can be traced back to trauma. That's so, so while interesting. It, while it seems like it's just unknown and it felt unknown for a long time, you know, that, that they are getting to the point where, yeah, they're seeing other people who do this. Maybe because EMDR has worked for people that, you know, they've thought had something else wrong with them. Right. You know, I mean, they thought I had stress, then it was epilepsy, then it was conversion disorder, then it was let's throw all of them away because each time I got diagnosed with something different, they would increase drugs and they would give me more drugs. And, oh, wow, and, Mary. And part of mostly what I was doing was sleeping and season. And you get to the point where you say, you know, life has to be more than this which is what happened after the five years and I found that other psychiatrist who was willing to take me off all the drugs and work on something new. And then when when the, the structure that he had built with me started falling down, that I was ready to do EMDR because it just is like, I can't give up any of these hours. Right. Nine hours of work is just not a lot of work. Right. You know? Right. That I, was nine hours a week. Nine hours a week. And you, there's no way you could live on less or do no. less. Right. So, so it's that, that being at the, you know, at the total bottom where you just kind of pull yourself together and say, I'm going to try another thing. I'm going to try another thing. There's going to be something else I can do. I'm going to look around. 
I mean, it takes time. Between the time I heard about EMDR and the time I actually started looking for a therapist was several months because I had to talk myself into it. You can try another diagnosis. It might work. You got to get your, you know, you get your act together. You get the little fragments that you have of energy and of courage and of all of that. You get it together and it kind of builds a little platform that you can operate from. And sometimes you have to build that. I had to build that to make each phone call. So you'd make a phone call to somebody that, you know, had been referred, you'd been referred to, and they said, oh, we don't take your insurance, but I think so-and-so might. And then you go and you build your little platform of, of bravery and courage and hope right. up together again. You make another phone call, and it may or may not work, but but you can build it. You know, the thing is that you can build it. The thing is that there's always hope. You can always reach into it and get hope. You know, it's so amazing because every single time you have that dreaded phone call, you have to retell some of the same story and all the different things you've tried over and over. And that's not pleasant, you know, to rehash a whole bunch of failed interventions plus bad experiences and how you ended up calling this particular office, it's just, that's really, it does take a lot of courage and it takes a lot of grit to keep moving yeah. forward and to say, I, I have faith that there is going to be an answer. Because there has to be an answer because I want to live. Right. You know, I want to live. That's, that's the thing. Well, um, You've written, you've done many things since then. So tell a little bit about how did your life start to blossom? And when did you start to say, you know what, I need to tell people that there is hope out there? Well, um, what I thought I would do at first would be was to start working full time. But what I did, the first thing I did was I signed up for ballroom dance classes. And, wow, I, and I actually scary. did some dancing. Um and then I started working some more. And then I started back to school because all I had was a bachelor's degree. So I went back and got a master's degree. Oh, my goodness. And I did some, some work after that in a um, post-grad. I got a post-grad uh, certification as a developmental educator. Okay. And I had developed the program so that people who have been away from mathematics for a while or who were never very good at mathematics – to kind of fast track them and move them so that they could move into regular college math. Good. Because what I had done all my life was teach developmental math at the college level. Okay. That was, that was my career. Um, and that was what I was doing when all of a sudden my body started acting weird. After I went back to work and everything, I finally retired. I didn't have that much longer to go. And when I retired and my therapist retired, we decided that we should put the stuff that we had together as a book. I and love she, it. What she did was she made um, comments on each session. What I did was try to cut it down to so that it goes session, her comments, and then what happened in the days in between. 
then the explanation of the next session, her comments, what happened in the days in between. Oh, that's and fabulous. It, it just takes you because a lot of people have questions like what happens? How right. long does it take? Uh, what do you feel like? Do you get tired? Do you get upset? I mean, I have everything from elation to I went through one point where I wanted to kill myself or the idea that I should die was real present in my mind. Okay. Um, so you get a wide variety of reactions and, and people should know that and they should know that all you need to do is hang on and get through them. I mean, it's, it's one day at a time and then just like a little bit of time, a t- little bit at a time because Whatever you feel for a while, it doesn't mean you're going to feel that way in the next 10 minutes. And it certainly doesn't mean anything about what the next day is going to be like because you've had time to process. It's like an actual thing that happens in your brain. As I, you know, as I read through and rediscover what it was, I mean, there's a point when I'm talking about it's like a file cabinet when it was going. Things are just getting refiled. Oh, because, wow. Interesting. Because, yeah, they move back in time. For me, they move back in time. And I know they happened and they happened within this time period. But I am not upset about them. I don't freak out about them. I'm not afraid of them. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of the world outside. You know, this fear has left. This idea that the whole world is out to get me or that you know, the evil ones can find me wherever I am and all that kind of stuff that you believe in your heart, even though your mind might know it's not true, in your heart, you really believe that it's true. It's like, well, well, you guys don't understand it didn't happen to you. So, so I'll just let myself be separate from you and isolated from you. And you will have your life where these things don't happen. And I'll have my life where these things do. Mm-hmm. Well, there's too many of us that it's happened to. Right. I mean, it's like one in six women have been sexually assaulted. Wow. Something like that. I mean, so many of us have been abused as children. And in There's- relationships. In relationships, domestic violence, when we're adults, you know, we get these things that happen. And then there's car accidents that can leave that kind of thing. Plus, you know, there's war. Um, things like I read about one of the guys, one of the first responders at 911 who went into EMDR. And what he felt was, as he walked down the street, that at any point in time, the buildings may fall. He knew that wasn't true, but it felt like it. Right. And then after EMDR, it didn't feel like that anymore. It was like that happened. That was a sequence of events. It was within a time frame. It is not happening now. You know, I'm exciting and so very hopeful. Oh yeah. And so, Directed by the individual. Right. It's not the therapist that does anything to you besides, you know, you watch their fingers go back and forth. That's what I did. 
or whatever other bilateral stimulation is happening. They, they make sure that happens. And then they try to keep us safe and maybe direct us to talk if we, if we're quiet or whatever. But, but the understanding of the situation comes from us. The definition of the situation comes from us. And the things that we realize about the situation comes from us. They're not, they're not using their expertise to guess how we might feel. Right. They're listening to us as we go through it, and they know how we feel because we tell them, this is what's happening. It's so exciting, Mary. How long did it take yeah. to get the book together to share your story? Oh, it, on and off, I worked on it because I worked on it some before before we retired. Um, All together, like 15 years. <laughs> it, oh, was, it was probably three times the size it is now. Right. And and nobody could read it through. I went through two different editors, one who helped me with the setup and trying to rein it in some, and then another who just went through with a red marker and said, this goes out, this goes out, this goes out. She said, I know you need to tell the power stories from when you were young, but six is a little too excessive. Let's <laughs> cut it down maybe to three stories. I right. said, okay, I can cut three of them out. All right. So you said this before many places. You don't have to say it. And I think that the end result is something that reads really well and says what needs to be said. I love that you worked with your therapist. And I had one of my very first guests was a woman who whose child had sensory processing disorder. And uh-huh. she worked super hard with an interventionist or whatever, a psychologist who the two of them paired beautifully. And then did such a great outcome with her son that they wrote a book together. And I love that because that's the partnership that's that experience that you went through together. And in a perfect world, all of us, and we're not in a perfect world, but all of us would find someone that we worked so well with that we would want to share the journey together. When I was in therapy, some of the time it was what Medicaid could pay for. And it was people who were interns. And I once brought my child uh, for play therapy to a therapist who said, I don't like children, but I have to get these hours in. <laughs> so she she oh. front loaded the conversation with that. But sometimes we're not rich. That's what we can afford. We're on wait lists. Yeah. We are, you know, uh, doing the best we can. And you know what? I still got a, my daughter too. We both got a lot out of that person's work, even though Maybe it wasn't the most ideal circumstance. It was still worth mm-hmm. persisting and going through it and to it uh, to have a positive outcome. So I, I really appreciate that the two of you together shared this amazing story of transformation. Yes. Yes. I was very lucky in finding her. So fantastic. What is the book titled, Mary? The book is titled Unfreezing Trauma, Perfect. My Private Journal of EMDR Recovery. That is such a great title and subtitle. It's easy then to find it online because when people are saying, I wonder if there's anybody who's written a memoir regarding EMDR or trauma or whatever, it's easy to find. That is a great title. And where can people go to to learn more about you and what you're doing day to day? My website is unfreezingtrauma.com. 
com. Love it. So very straightforward. Unfreezing trauma. Congratulations to you and the wonderful, wonderful success you've had in, in becoming unfrozen and in sharing that experience with other people. Because I don't know that we talk enough about mental health or going to therapy. And certainly EMDR is still a mystery. You know, it, it is. It's still a mystery. So thanks so much for doing this, Mary, and for being here. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It was true. So my good life. to be able to talk. It is. It really. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, tell a friend and go ahead and give us a review. I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.